Hey, welcome to the Church on Boulevard Sermons Podcast, an extension of the ministry of Church on Boulevard in Richmond, Virginia. We hope that you'll find your time meaningful and that you'll live life to the fullest as we grow together. Matthew chapter 3, this is verse 17, 18, 13, 13, let's start in the right place, 13 through 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John, but John tried to deter him saying, I need to be baptized by you and you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened. And he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love with whom I'm well pleased. This is God's word. You may uh, be seated. Thank you. Lord, we really need you. Sometimes, God, I feel like I don't need someone to die for me in life. I'm not that bad. And then I, it feels like I just have to wait a day or two. (laughs) And I realize, oh, shoot, I'm really messed up. And I make a lot of mistakes. And I sometimes willfully do things that are harmful to others because I think it'll give me a leg up. Lord, we all find ourselves in this place of needing to be approved of. And sometimes we do things that are so out of the character that we desire to have, just not who we really want to be. And we ask, Lord, that you would save us from that, that you would remind us that whenever we are in those places, we can always come back to you and that the baptism of Jesus is something that we can climb into, like a boat on troubled water that can carry us forward in the journey of life. So we receive this text this morning. Speak to us, Lord. Speak more through your words than through my words this morning, we pray. Amen. So in our current cultural context, modern identity is achieved. What do I mean by that? Have you ever heard the phrase, make yourself or create yourself or create your own identity. This is all over the place. If you haven't uh, heard this phrase, then I would assume you've probably at least experienced it subliminally. Someone said, just be you. You just got to be you. JP, come on, man. JVN, did you say JVN? Jonathan Van Ness? We got a big Queer Eye fan right up here. Yeah, new season coming out. Um, (laughs) How do we achieve by earning approval, every single human being needs some standard by which to know whether they're approved of or not approved of. We all live by it. We find some sort of standard. So either it's the happiness of our children, and if they're happy, then we're approved of. And if they're not happy, then we feel the burden of our standard weighing down on us, and we need to do something about it. Notice that language. We need to do something to help them be happy again. Or we need our boss to approve of us. We need our job to validate who we are. And so we're living our life 
in a grind and either we feel demoralized and depressed because our job isn't going well, our work life isn't going well, or we feel exhilarated and better than other people because our job is going well and we feel like we've earned it and we deserve it. But the fact of the matter is so many things in life are very far outside of our control. And so creating an identity actually over time, this modern sense of identity that you can build yourself over time, it actually wears us down. It is like carrying a load of bricks on our shoulders. And the great tragedy of uh, the modern identity, as Pete Scazzaro says, is that most people go to their grave not knowing who they are. Most people go to their grave not knowing who they really are. And if you don't know who you really are, then you won't know what you're really supposed to do in the world. And if you never experience that, then you're going to live a very restless, demoralizing, challenging life. I'm struck that uh, John Calvin, in the beginning of his like Christian theology, his systematics of theology, he writes in the Institutes of the Christian Religion, I'm going to paraphrase, but you will know yourself when you know God and you will come to know God as you know yourself. The better you know yourself, the better you're going to know who God is. And the better you know who God is, the better you're going to know who you are. The Christian identity, different from the modern identity, is received, not achieved. Christian identity is received, not achieved. And that means that your standard of approval is given to you. What is that? It's that you are loved and lovable. Your standard of approval, what makes you feel like you're worth something as a Christian, is that you delight in God and God delights in you. And what we see in Jesus' baptism is that before he goes into his calling, before he goes into the world of doing, this is right before his public ministry, he's baptized And he's first reminded of his identity, that he is loved and lovable. Before Jesus enters in, his baptism reminds him who he is. And Jesus' baptism is something that we can climb into. It's something that we can jump inside of and receive for ourselves as well. Now, we'll go into more of what all this looks like, but here's what I want to say. If you want to be a unique individual, really unique, not just following the trends, as I'm so tempted to do, not just trying to be like who your parents want you to be or who your boss wants you to be or who your friends want you to be so that they, they can approve of you, you need to know that you're loved beyond a shadow of doubt before anything else. And if you know that, think about this. If you know you're loved beyond a shadow of a doubt, then you're no longer living for approval. You're living out of that approval. You're going to live entirely differently. When you know that the president of the United States, if the president of the United States came to you and said, you have something special about you. Paige, I have an opportunity for you. I want you to work for me because I believe in you. And when Paige hits some rough days in the office, if that, if the president keeps believing in her, She's going to be like, I'm all right. I'm all right. Because somebody of a very high standing and a high rank approves of me and I can keep moving forward. And what's that, what's that mean? It means when Paige makes mistakes, she's not going to just feel like she's crushed under her own weight of performance. She's going to say, I made a mistake. I need to move forward. I need to go seek. 
my leader, seek the one who approves of me and get my next marching orders or figure out how I need to grow, how I need to develop. Taking this metaphor a step further, God is way greater than the president of the United States. And when you come to him and you enter into Jesus's baptism, he approves of you. And that's what you're living with. That's what you're living out of. You come to new life in Christ and suddenly you live from the, your basis of approval is now God delighting in you and you delighting in him and no longer how well you've performed in any given category. The baptism of Jesus we're going to talk about today uh, is full of symbolism. And as I, as I thought about this this week, I realized this is a challenging text to preach. And the concepts in it, I'm going to introduce them today, but so that I don't go on for 50 minutes today. I'm going to introduce them, and I'm going to assume that as we go through life together, we're going to learn how to really apply and dig into this. But today it might be a little bit of a mind bender, okay? First, what we got to do is we got to understand the symbols in the text. The symbolism of water is vital to understand. Then we're going to need to know what is this concept of baptism that's going on? How does the water play into that? And what is the concept? And then we're going to see that there's a, pr a principle, a gospel principle in the text of resilience, how to be people that can bounce back in life. A Christian is not somebody who doesn't face hardship. A Christian is somebody who has something inside of them that when they face hardship, that thing inside of them can use the hardship to make them a great person. Said differently or more starkly, a Christian is somebody that has unique, unparalleled resources to find success through their failures. And that is all part of Jesus' baptism and what we're going to see today. So what were the waters? In Hebrew consciousness, the time of Jesus, waters represented chaos. If you go back to Genesis 1, the, the language says that the Spirit of God hovered over the surface of the deep. And the idea was these turbulent waters of chaos had to be restrained and organized in order to create the world. The cosmos was created out of chaos, and God puts everything in order. He puts the land where it needs to be, and the water where it needs to be, and the light where it needs to be. And if you read the, just the beginning verses of Genesis, you're going to see that God brings order to the chaos. And the understanding was that chaos was like water prior to God creating the world. The waters then became an understanding of God's judgment because the next big story of water in Genesis is the flood. And God judges a world that's gone totally evil, totally corrupt, totally morally bankrupt, and he floods it with water. And the water becomes this symbol. And this was all throughout ancient Mesopotamia. This wasn't just the Hebrew tradition. Everybody saw water in this way. It was the chaos. In fact, we're going to see that Jesus has mastery over water throughout this gospel. And it's really Matthew's way of saying, see, this God can control the waters. Because if you had control over the waters at this time, you were the preeminent God. Okay? So the waters were chaos, God's judgment. The only way to quell God's judgment was if you were God himself who could calm the waters. What happens to Jesus in baptism is he just dropped into the chaos of the waters and he emerges a new creation. The spirit comes and hovers over him. Whereas in creation, thank you, the spirit hovered over the surface of the deep. 
The spirit at creation hovers over the surface of the deep. When Jesus goes into the water for baptism, he comes back out, the spirit descends upon him. The spirit is now coming over top of him and creating new life. The symbol of coming out of the water, in other words, is you have died to who you once were. You have addressed, you have faced head on God's judgment of you, which God can righteously do. God can hold you accountable for your sins. You get dropped into the water of that sin. It crushes you and then it lifts you back up. The water represents judgment and chaos. So I thought it would be helpful to do an illustration because this is one of those challenging uh, things to understand. So this is one of Nash's Legos. It is a Spider-Man with a bow tie and I don't know, it's some crossover between human and Spider-Man. In the modern identity, seeking approval is like trying to tread water. And this guy isn't going to make it too long before what? He starts sinking. He can make it for a while though. He might even start going down and be able to kick back up. But this is the experience of a life of trying to always manage who you are. You feel like you're on top of the world. <laughs> You've got, you're barely, you're barely treading water. You're on top of the world. Life feels crazy and busy, but at least, at least your family is healthy. And then your child gets cancer and you're down here. And you kick and you fight and you fight and they go into remission and you come back up and you're doing okay for a while, but then you lose your job. And that's it. And that is life until you die. That is the postmodern assumption. There is no God. There's nothing to come save you. You save yourself and create yourself. The point I'm making is that creating an identity is a burden that none of us can carry. None of us can survive the water. This guy, I don't know why he's still floating right now. <laughs> But we're all treading water. It's, we, we feel the same symbol, don't we? Have you ever said, I just feel like I'm treading water? Maybe you haven't used that exact metaphor, but I feel like that in life sometimes. What you're feeling in those moments is a sense of judgment that you haven't met your standard of approval. Because at the water line is where you're approved of. When you come up out of the water, that's when you're full of life. That's when you're loved and known. That's when people see you. When you're under the water, you're condemned. The water line is your base basis of approval. It's your standard. So follow me on this. When your standard of approval is your family's happiness and your child is rebelling and not showing up at school and starting to like experiment with drugs and explore sexually and all sorts of things that are breaking your heart, you're under the water line. What is repentance in that moment? How do you turn from the crushing judgment of not meeting your standard? Well, you either let the standard crush you all the way and you give up. Or you kick as hard as you can on your own and you pull yourself back up to the surface and you say, all right, I might be a bad parent. I'm just going to try some things and do better. I'm going to go to counseling. I'm going to take my kid to therapy. And this is what every single person in our modern, postmodern world is doing they're just constantly kicking back up to the surface. And you can do that, but only for so long before eventually the waters get you. In other words, to repent is repentance unto death in our culture. You have to admit that you've died to your standard, you did not achieve it, and then you either have to resurrect yourself by swimming to the surface and grinding with all your might, or you let it fully crush you and kill you. 
and the waters of condemnation come over you. Everyone needs a standard of approval and disapproval to know whether they're living for what's right or not. And at the waterline is where you feel approved of. And when you're under the water, you're crushed by judgment. Enter into this the concept of baptism. So the Jews had this way of addressing this problem. They said, God is our deliverer. Who leads the people through the great waters out of Egypt? Moses, but how does he do it? By God's right hand. God's strong arm leads them through. It says that throughout Exodus. God's strong arm leads them through. In other words, their understanding was the way that we get out of the water is God saves us. God saves us. But how does God save you? You live a righteous life. In other words, religion says you still have to keep yourself at the waterline. God is the one that makes sure that says you're righteous. You're okay. You're out of the water. But you got to be approved of by him and you got to earn that approval. That's what religion says. That what you do is you go and if you're baptized, it's because you weren't born into the Jewish family. You were a Gentile and you were called a proselyte. And a proselyte was somebody who was converting into Judaism and they would get circumcised and then they'd get baptized. Baptism wasn't really for Jews at the time, but there was ceremonial washing and purification. In other words, it was a way of dunking yourself in water and letting the water cleanse you so that you could come out of the water and then be righteous and okay again. And it was just a symbol that God saves his people. Do not touch that, please. It was a symbol that God saves his people. He lifts them up out of the water. But it was still based on their own earning, their own doing. They still had to tread water to get up to the top. So John comes along and he changes the significance of baptism. It's no longer for the outsiders who want to become Jews. He says, now it's for Jews. And this is a big deal. This is why the Pharisees and everybody are mad at him. And this is why he calls them a brood of vipers. Because, which we talked about last week, because the Pharisees in them said, no, 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 we don't need to be baptized and purified. We're pure simply because we're descendants of Abraham. We don't need this. Only bad worldly people need to be cleansed by God in order to come up out of the waters. But what he's trying to get them to see, what John's trying to get them to see is actually no, If you want to be saved by the coming Messiah, you too have to go into the water of repentance just like anybody else. You're not better just because you were born into some family. You too have to admit that you're a sinner, that you are beyond the capability of saving yourself, and then you have to be lifted back to real life. In other words, repentance needs to be unto life, not unto death. If you repent and your standard of approval is God's love of you, look at this. God's love of you is now your basis for what helps you feel approved of. So repentance for the person who's not a Christian has to admit that they're wrong and it's death. I didn't meet my standard. But for the Christian, look at this. When you admit you're wrong, you don't go back to the standard. You go back to God's love. Christian repentance is unto life. It's the life-giving spirit. Look at what it looks like in the text. This is what we're supposed to see. We're supposed to see that when Jesus was baptized, he comes out of the water, and what happens? Heaven splits open. A voice booms down on him. You are my beloved child in whom I'm well pleased. And the spirit comes down on him. And when the spirit comes down, there's a new life. There's a new creation. And so every time that there's baptism and you come out of the water of repentance, the spirit is right there to recreate you. 
And that was what John was trying to convey. And that's actually different than our sacrament of baptism now. And we'll talk about that in a few weeks at the end of this book. But here's why we need to know this. It's because for Matthew, righteousness is fully pleasing God by doing all the right things. For Matthew, to be at the waterline means you've done everything that makes God happy with you because the basis for approval is God's love of you. And what we see in Jesus is that God gives that willingly before we do anything. Because before Jesus goes into his ministry, he is reminded that he's approved of. And so here's what happens. Jesus says, I have to be baptized by you. Did you catch that? John says, I can't baptize you. You're the greater one. You should be baptizing me. And Jesus says, no, no, no. We have to fulfill all righteousness. What's Jesus doing when he says that? Why did Jesus need to fulfill righteousness? Wasn't he a perfect guy? Why did he need to say, I'm a sinner and I'm saved? Why did he need to go through baptism? Why did he need to be crushed by the water and lifted back up? Think about that for a second. Why did Jesus need to be crushed under the judgment and then lifted back up? I can only think of two reasons why. One, because he was relating to us and he had to do everything that we were supposed to do. And so by going down into the water, he takes all the judgment that we should have gotten. But because he was greater than us, as we see through his life throughout the text, he lives the perfect life and he is the one powerful enough to resurrect himself. He's the one that comes up out of the water on his own strength. And then all of us jump on his shoulders. You see, the baptism is such good news because it means that all of us can climb into Jesus's baptism. So Jesus's baptism becomes like a boat. And like the ark in the flood, when God's water of judgment came down, Noah was able to climb in and be safe from the water, right? Here's the deal. We all live in the water, don't we? We all live in chaos, a sense of judgment, a sense of needing to approve, be approved of, and not to be disapproved of. And when Jesus, what we get in Jesus is when we come to him, he becomes like a boat, not a boat that takes on water. <laughs> he becomes a boat that we can climb into so that we don't sink. And here's why this is important. Without Jesus, the water can crush us. But with Jesus, the water can save us. Saved from the water, by the water. Suddenly, the waters that can crush us when we're in Jesus carry us forward on the journey. Suddenly, the very thing that meant death and destruction in your life is the very thing that Jesus carries you through to your destination. The very thing that was supposed to kill you, you no longer even have to tread. All you have to do when you repent, when you enter into Jesus' baptism, is just climb back in the boat. The waters can crush you, but you can also be saved from the waters. And the very thing that could crush you becomes the very thing that is the conduit that God uses to move you forward. So let's think about this concept just a little bit deeper in closing. When it comes to identity and calling and approval, 
you can either set your standard for yourself and try to always live up to it, or you can let Jesus achieve the standard for you so that you can then receive his baptism. In other words, you can climb into Jesus as a boat and say, you know what? I can't save myself. I can't do it. But, but if I'm in this boat, suddenly those waters mean something different to me. Those waters become the very place where, yes, I grieve, but I don't get crushed. Those waters become the very place where, oh, it is terrible to find out that we're not going to be able to make it through on this month's rent. It's terrible. But God is sufficient and he will provide. He will provide. And the way that you live this out is by learning how to press the gospel into your life. The gospel of Jesus is that he's done all of that for you. You see, there's no greater judgment in the world. Everybody says, I'm my own worst critic, right? That's not true. If God exists, God is your own worst critic. The waters you don't want to be in are God's waters of judgment. Those are worse than your waters of judgment. You think yours are the worst? You're not strong enough to judge yourself harshly enough. You're not strong enough to judge yourself to such a high standard that you actually become great. You'll never become great if you judge yourself because your standard will always be something that you've contrived. But if the God of the universe says, I've destined you for greatness and your destination where you're going to end up is something beyond your wildest dreams. It's something beyond what you're capable of then that means at the same time, if he's that strong that he can lift you all the way to greatness, he could also crush you way worse than you can crush yourself. You need a boat. And here's what's so helpful about this for me. Tim Keller says, the distinctiveness of the Christian life is not that we escape troubles, but that we have something that uses troubles to turn us into something great. The gospel principle is that we climb into Jesus's baptism. And remember I said Jesus's baptism can do two things. One is he does all the behaviors that you should do to be a righteous person. He fulfills all righteousness. That's what it says in the text. What's the second thing that happens? He transforms John's baptism of water into a baptism of the spirit. So what the gospel principle is, when you climb into Jesus's boat, when you climb into his baptism, you now have spirit power. The thing inside of you that transforms the reality around you into goodness is the spirit that's inside of you. And that's an actual power that is actually living, that actually can propel you forward when you think you're stuck, when you think you're broken down. Unparalleled resources. I'm still talking about the concept And that's why this is so challenging. So I'm going to give you one illustration from my own life to close this up. Because like I said, this is going to be a continued conversation. Who here thinks they're somewhat confused right now? Just raise your hand. Okay, a little bit somewhat confused. Who's very confused right now? Hand up. Who thinks like, oh, I'm starting to see some connections here. Cool. All right. That's helpful for me. Here's what we need to know. That when we follow Jesus... When we obey God's commands, it will look like death to us at first. The, the interesting thing about following Jesus into baptism is it means we have to go in the water with him in order to be lifted out of the water with him because we're on his shoulders. And if he was going to go into the water, it means we're going to go down under the water too. But there's always the promise that he's coming back up. 
And how do we know that's true? Because he ultimately goes under the greatest waters, the waters of God's ultimate judgment when he's on the cross and he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He is crushed under infinite waters of God's judgment, and then he resurrects. And because he did that, we now know that even when we get plunged under the waters of judgment and death, we know we're going to come back up to the water line. And you know what else we know? We know that God's going to be the one that brings us up there. <laughs> so instead of, instead of when things go wrong, trying to swim all the way up to the surface, we actually have to just get back in the boat. And here's what that looks like. Um, recently I had a discouraging encounter and I felt like, oh man, what, what am I going to do? What my standard of approval is the success of church on Boulevard. And we got a red flag at the end of last year that said, uh, you're not going to make payroll. And I said, okay, God, I've been trusting you everybody's watching. Everybody's watching. I feel like I'm treading water. I'm not a very great leader. I'm good, but I don't have all the organizational insight. I don't have enough experience to really know that. Um, I'm, a, I'm gifted at communicating and teaching God's word, and I love it, and I'm passionate about it, and I'm called to do it, but I'm not there yet. In other words, if my standard of approval becomes, all right, I just got to preach better to get people there. I'm not going to sleep at night, and I wasn't doing it for a while. For a while, I was just writing sermons day and night, day and night, day and night, reading, studying, doing. I mean, Paige can attest to this. I wasn't sleeping. I was very unhealthy. That was like the first six months of starting the church plant. Then I became concerned about our organizational structure. I was like, I got to be the best leader I can be. So then I was losing my mind before and after every meeting, tons of anxiety, crippling anxiety. Times when like normally Drew is like, go with the flow. I suddenly had total social anxiety. You guys have walked through all this with me, and we've talked about it, so you know when I was sweating through our devotionals last summer is because suddenly it just became an unbearable burden. The very thing I was called to do, that God was trying to carry me to, I was treading water. And here's what I realized even this past week. I don't have to swim back up to the surface. I just have to get back in the boat. And what that looks like is this. A lot of people think getting back in the boat means you just wait around for God to do something magically for you and poof, suddenly life's okay. But that's not exactly how it works, right? How it works is we have to actually do a little bit of swimming and then we climb up in. Here's what that means. You don't save yourself. God gives you the boat. He saves you. But in order to grow as a Christian, you actually have to fulfill righteousness. What you have now is you now have a safety device so that when you mess up and you're in the water, you climb right back in. So here's what happened. I thought that the success of Church on Boulevard was up to me. So I'm treading water. And then I realized, you know what? I need to go sit with Jesus and remind myself that Church on Boulevard is not my basis for approval. God's love and mercy is. So I sit and I pray and I say, God, I put something ahead of you in my life. My basis for approval is delighting in you and you delighting in me. But instead, I made my basis of approval the success of Church on Boulevard. And I defined that as attendance, money, whatever. Instead of that being my standard of approval, I'm going to get back in the boat. I'm going to sit here with you until you tell me what to do. And then I'm going to do it.
And God speaks to us that way. And I sat and I sat and you know what? I didn't know what to do. <laughs> so I started making documents. I started making a plan. I started, I, I, I still was wrestling and, 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 and felt like falling out of the boat again. And I'm climbing back in. I'm sorry. The metaphor is not helpful, especially when the boat sinks. <laughs> Jesus, pull yourself together. And then this week I met with a couple and thought that I was being pushed out into the water again. But what happened was I came home and I said, what if, what if my calling in life is not to be a successful church planter, but to grow close to Christ while planting a church? then suddenly the waterline is growing close to Christ. Do you see where I'm going with this? I'm climbing back in the boat. So I get in the boat and I sit and I pray and I say, God, what is it? What's next? I didn't know. And then I got an email from one of the people that I've been talking to in that conversation. And it said, hey, just for clarity, here's what I was asking you. And suddenly I realized, oh my gosh, they've laid out essentially a strategy for moving forward as a church. Suddenly everything clicked. In other words, the very thing that I thought was going to sink me turned around as I climbed in the boat and became a place where suddenly there was new life. And I was like, man, we need a business plan. I know exactly who I can talk to about that. A lot of us leave the faith of Christianity because we're excited when we first come to know God and we get in the boat. And then we are around the church long enough and no one else, everyone else is treading water. And we say, so what's Christianity worth? If everybody else's basis of approval has nothing to do with God's love for them, so that they're hypocrites and everything, then why even be a Christian? And we want to leave the faith. But when we realize that actually Christianity is not about things always going well for us. It's not about always even having the right basis of approval. It's about when you recognize it climbing back in the boat. Then suddenly we realize that we are loved and lovable. And every time that that happens, God is sufficient to provide for you. And I promise you, but you have to go through the process of the unknown of climbing back in the boat. There will always be an 11th hour where you think God is gone and you think you're treading water. And what I'm saying, friends, is stop treading water. Because I've experienced it. And when you stop treading water, essentially all you do is you climb on Jesus's shoulders and you say, God, I am crushed under this burden here right now. Lift me back up. Tell me what it is. Let me read your scripture. Give me some sort of wisdom. Give me some sort of advice. Give me something I got a phone call yesterday from a man who needs FCA to use a space, 50 college students from VCU. You know what our initial plan was for this church was connect with VCU and and see if they want to come to this church. And suddenly it hit me. God says, you know what? You think you need more money. You need to give yourself away. And as you're more generous, I'm going to provide for you. Who knows what's going to happen with those students, but if they can use the space and you have a free space for them, give it to them. And that's what we're going to do as a church. We're going to learn how to give ourselves away so much because here's the thing. God works counterintuitively. Climbing back in the boat is always going to feel like death. Why would I give our space away? Why would I give it to somebody else when we can't, we can't make ends meet? Because God says to do it. 
And so you do it, and it looks like death, but there's always resurrection. It looks like death to climb in the boat, but it will always get you towards your destination. Let me pray. Thanks for tuning in to the Church on Boulevard Sermons podcast. You can find out more about Church on Boulevard by going to www.churchonblvd.com.